Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi, everyone. I'm Rohit from Life Self Mastery, and today I'm excited to have Mike T. Brown, who's a former NFL player turned self-taught coder and a Silicon Valley startup founder. Mike is the founder of WinWin, which has raised more than a million dollar funding from Sandal Angels, Duke University, Backstage Capital, Blackstar Fund, and a few other pro athletes, and is a graduate of 500 startups. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, Rohit. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. So, um, so you know, you were a professional NFL player. You know, how, how did you get into NFL? You said what? Uh, you know, you, you were a professional NFL player, you know, how, how did you get into football and NFL? Oh, well, I mean, from an early age, I started uh, playing, you know, in, in here in the States, they call it Little League, where basically, you know, around the age of seven or eight, started playing football. My mom was, uh, you know, always uh, giving me an opportunity to go out and burn off some energy and run around and uh, found out that I had some natural talent there. So, you know, went through the ranks of high school where I did very well, uh, earned a full athletic scholarship to Duke University, uh, and went on to play there where I was an All-American. Uh, did really well. And then that's, you know, went through the combine and, and the different uh, workout sessions that they kind of used to um, audition, if you will. And so I, I, I signed with uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And, uh, you know, that was where I kind of realized that, that dream of making it to that, to that level and playing. And so it was a great experience. It was, uh, you know, playing professionally about three years. And then that's when I kind of made this uh, unique transition into tech. Got it. And um, so, so you were, you were a linebacker over there. What, so, you know, for people who don't follow football, what does a linebacker do? Oh, all right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I was a middle linebacker, always have been. And they're kind of like the, the quarterback of the defense. So, you know, and if you don't know what the quarterback is, well, we're the ones who kind of run the show. So we're like the on-field coach. We have to know where everybody on the defense lines up, uh, what everybody's job is. I usually have to call the plays for the defense to, to help to stop the offense from scoring a touchdown. Uh, so basically do a lot of tackling and, uh, you know, did quite a bit of that in my career, but it's it's a lot more than than the tackling. You really have to have the mental capacity um, and ability to to you know make changes on the go, uh, communicate effectively. There's a lot that that goes in the role of being a linebacker, uh, and you know I was typically the captain on the team as well. So a lot of leadership qualities that that you know I had to really def- refine and, and develop. Got it, and and. You know, a white tech, uh, you know, why not uh, get into sports management or something? Yeah, I wasn't, um, you know, that was something that kind of came up. You know, when I was at Duke, I was on the law school track. And for a second, I thought about, um, you know, sports and entertainment law to kind of stay within that lane. But, you know, I was always told people that I just so happened to know how to tackle people. So sports wasn't uh, something that, you know, I would I would let define me in whole certainly is a big part of who I am but I was a lot more interested in other things and so once I was finished playing I had no desire to become a, a coach or a sports you know trainer uh, or even on the in the in the you know management side 
I had taken a completely different route because as I, when I found out about tech, I didn't know what tech or Silicon Valley was until 2013. But when I got exposed to it, I went through a program and that was kind of the light bulb that went off in my head around being able to build and create. You know, it wasn't necessarily about sports. It was just the ability to create something in the world. Uh, and so I wanted to, I wanted to do that. And as I got deeper into tech and started to, you know, identify different pain points and problems, uh, it just so happened to be at the intersection of my, my passions, which was sports, uh, philanthropy, and now technology. So it kind of happened, uh, you know, in terms of the sports tech intersection, um, not necessarily accidentally, but it wasn't the intention as I got into tech. But tech in general just was very attractive to me um, from the ability to, to create and bring things into the world. Got it. And so, you know, what made you start when, when you know, you, you're leveraging sports gaming to, uh, to transform charitable uh, gaming industry, but what, what was the real spark that made you uh, start and, you know, uh, focus on win-win? Yeah, well, you know, for most innovation and, and startups, right, it, it usually stems from pain point that, you know, the founder – uh, or the founding team, you know, has, has experienced themselves. And for me, you know, one of the things that I had kind of looked back on and was recognizing still being a problem, right? I was, as, a, as a professional athlete, I, I ran a, a nonprofit organization and, you know, always kind of felt the pain points of, of trying to raise money for it and not, all, not having enough time to dedicate, you know, to it as much as I would have, you know, really wanted to because it's passionate. It's a passion, place of passion for me. And so when I was looking yeah. at, you know, that situation and then I looked at charitable giving just in general, right, when it comes from a donor standpoint or perspective, there was nothing that really kind of stood out as really cool, right, or, or motivating people to give more uh, consistently. But what I did see was a lot of people, you know, gaming, right, like fantasy sports, okay. you know, a lot of fanfare around sports. And I just saw, you know, through my unique experiences, a, a bridge that could be um, that could be had, you know, that that would bridge this gap between the fans, the athletes, and the charities in a way that, you know, I, I didn't see in the marketplace at that point. And my unique advantage was, you know, being able to access current professional athletes in the NFL and and talk to them about the idea, you know, that I that I ended up having at that moment and was able to, to, to develop it out. And so win-win came, you know, simply because, you know, I looked at my own, you know, experiences and past as, as trying to run a, a charity because I've always been very, you know, philanthropic. But it, when, when there's no easy way to do it, especially as a very busy professional athlete, you either not do it, you end up, you end up not doing it at all or doing it very poorly. And so I started to develop out win-win as a way to help players um, you know, still represent and, and build awareness and funding for the things that they that they truly love, while giving the fans something that they that they all you know desire. These experiences that that money can't buy, all while you know giving them the the feel good of, of supporting an impactful cause as well. Got it. And you know, I was interested to know what was your uh, acquisition challenge to get more people uh, on on the platform. The acquisition challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, how did you get your first thousand, uh, first ten thousand users? 
Well, so we want, we actually had never really been focused on users initially. So right now we're working on, we have been focused on kind of building out the player network. So our, our, our user acquisition strategy is actually pretty unique uh, and advantageous based on what we're doing. We're able to leverage the reach of our professional athletes. So today, you know, we have about 150 or 60 professional athletes across the NFL and NBA that uh, are win-win partners. And so as we activate any of their tournaments, right, the campaigns that they're using, this gamified giving model to raise money for the charity, they're promoting that out to their fan base. And then those fans are coming to our actual platform, creating an account, engaging in the campaign, making a donation. And so our, our acquisition efforts are really focused on acquiring, you know, our big time partners, professional athletes, soon to be, you know, entertainers, artists, influencers, and then getting those folks on board who will then drive their audience to win-win. And then we had to make sure that the win-win platform, our conversion funnel was, was very tight. So that was really what we were focused on the last couple of years in our beta was our conversion funnel. Uh, you know, from top of the funnel, clicking the link in the bio, all the way down to the bottom, uh, making that donation transaction. And so we're, uh, we're at a phenomenal place there, but that was what we were focused on. Uh, and I think it's, it's a good model to have. Got it. And, uh, you, know, you know, what sort of sports uh, or what sort of athletes uh, drive the most donations on, on your platform? So we've just been we been working with uh, NFL pr pr predominantly uh, okay. through, the, through the testing phase. Uh, we did some NBA as well. Uh, it actually varies um, a little bit just based on kind of the popularity of the player, obviously, uh, and, and then also even the experience. We, we had some pretty, some pretty epic experiences. You know, one of the players in the NFL uh, offered up a, a private jet ride with him to the top three winners in his tournament well, uh, where they went to a huge college football game, LSU versus Alabama, on a Saturday night. In, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So, you know, that drove a lot of interest and engagement and donation um, that we were really happy about. And so, you know, it varies. And that's the great thing about the platform is that it's all very unique and custom to the player and their brand. And so every fan who is a fan of that particular player, right, they'll, uh, they'll have a unique kind of engagement and experience, even though, you know, it's very similar campaigns and tournaments from a, from a structure standpoint the details of each are very, uh, very unique. And so it drives a lot of different levels of interest and engagement. Got it. And, you know, I was wondering, what is the revenue model? Uh, how, how do you, you, you make money uh, from the platform? Yeah, great question. So, you know, we, we, uh, we monetize on both sides of the platform, pretty straightforward. On one side, we, uh, we take a percentage of uh, every transaction that comes through the platform. So when a, when a user comes to make their donation, win-win uh, ends up retaining a portion of that and then we pass the rest on to the charity. Okay. And then on the other side, we're charging brands who are uh, looking to sponsor these tournaments. So you can think about it like, you know, the Steph Curry win-win tournament powered by Pepsi, just as an example. Right. Um, you know, Pepsi is able to you know, reach his audience through the social media promotion. So every time Steph promotes on social media that he's, you know, running a campaign or a win-win tournament, then Pepsi's mentioned, you know, their logo is somewhere 
all of that. And then even on the win-win platform, we have branded assets, you know, like the Pepsi leaderboard. So there's a lot of high engagement and traffic that the brands are able to uh, get out of it. And so for that value, obviously, as you can imagine, we are uh, monetizing uh, on their ability to integrate and uh, sponsor the tournament. Got it. And, uh, you, you know, if people use your platform, do they get tax deductions, uh, you know, 100% tax deductions on whatever uh, to contribute? Yeah, no, it's correct. They actually get 100% tax deduction, um, you know, at least to the fullest extent of the law based on, you know, their own tax structure. We're, we're no tax experts, so we always, uh, you know, suggest that people reach out to their tax advisors uh, to get uh, all the nitty gritty. But, the way that the way that our model works, uh, you know, when you donate on the platform, the money actually um, is processed by a separate entity, which is the Win Win Foundation. So we have our own 501c3 nonprofit, and that's actually what's processing every donation, which then allows for them to have the fullest um, deduction on that because it's 100% of the money is going to a nonprofit versus uh, you know a different a for-profit entity. And so once the money goes to the Win-Win Foundation, then Win-Win Corporate is paid its percentage out of the foundation's administrative overhead. And then the remaining uh, money goes out to the uh, player's nonprofit. So it's a grant from one foundation to the next. But for the users, because their money is going directly to the Win-Win Foundation initially, they get the tax ID number, tax receipt documents, all of that uh, automatically generated and sent to them. So gives them that benefit, especially as you're engaging with the win-win platform over the course of a year or a season, you know, you may end up giving, giving a, a lot of money to, to these charities, which is great. And so being able to have the, the full tax benefit of that, uh, we thought was important. Interesting. Right. So, you know, you, you've also been part of 500 startups and you've been backed by, uh, by, by VCs from Sandal Angels and uh, back, Backstage Capital, Blackstock Fund. So, you know, um, it, it wasn't difficult for you to, to raise funding uh, for, for, a, for a platform which, uh, uh, you know, which, which is different from, from other, you know, marketplaces uh, and uh, you know what is what are the kind of returns or or exit that you know uh, people can look for uh, going forward? Yeah, I mean you know uh, all of our investors to date, you know um, the ones you just mentioned are you know they're strong they're firm believers in the fact that win win um, can and will be the future of philanthropy and fundraising uh, okay. because again we're, we're taking into a different. We're taking a much, a much more, a much more unique approach in terms of how the donors are engaging, and because we're leveraging the athletes, right, and and providing uh, a large amount of value, you know, uh, in a way that gets them to engage and buy in. I mean, so much so that we have actual partners that have now become uh, investors, right, after running campaigns and being involved, and we just thought that was a huge. Uh, it was a huge kind of nod to, to the value that we create. And so because of that, you know, we, we, we foresee the platform scaling um, pretty quickly across all sports and even across other verticals. Like I mentioned, entertainers, artists, influencers, uh, the professional teams themselves, uh, even universities, right? So my, my alma mater, Duke University, just as an example, 
could host a, right. a March Madness win-win bracket challenge and promote it out to all alumni. And then the alumni, when they join and donate, that money goes to the Duke University annual fund, which they're always trying to raise money for. And now they're competing to win, you know, courtside seats at a Duke UNC game or dinner with Coach K. And so as we scale into these other verticals, we will we believe that we'll become very attractive to um, a variety of, of different acquisition, potential acquisition partners across different industries, right? Because we're in gaming, driving high engagement, we're in giving, you know, uh, growing that industry with our unique model of gamified giving, we're in media and brand. Um, and even, you know, we think we'll be very attractive to even some of the, the, the larger tech companies from, you know, Amazon to Google or even Facebook, as I know that they've been, you know, diving much deeper into kind of giving and, and making it a little easier for you to support charity, um, right. but certainly not in the way that we are. So, you know, at the end of the day, our goal uh, is to, you know, scale win-win up to be a global, um, you know, entity that is, that is helping entities of influence mobilize global audiences. And, and I think as we drive hard towards that goal over the next few years, um, you know, an acquisition um, is certainly something that, that we're, we're aiming to, to get to. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, obviously finding the right, the right acquisition partner uh, that, that sees the value in what we're doing that will extend that mission uh, and, and give us, you know, further resources to, to continue. But, you know, I think that's, that's one of the ways that we foresee being able to return capital, you know, to our investors uh, is through an acquisition. Got it. So, so Mike, you know, you are currently using a crowdfunding platform called Republic uh, to raise funds. So, so why go through the, you know, crowdfunding platform? Can you talk about your Republic campaign as well? Yeah, no, definitely. I'm excited about, you know, being able to offer, um, you know, everyday individuals, um, you know, the ability to invest and, and earn equity in win-win. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, we've raised, uh, we actually raised about $1.5 million, you know, from uh, a, a good collection of, of investors. Um, but, you know, these folks are the, the traditional VCs or, or some of the angels, you know, are, you know, the, the accredited investors. And, you know, the majority of, of the United States and even the world um, are not what they call accredited investors. So for anybody who doesn't know, an accredited investor is somebody who makes $250,000 a year or more for the last three years or has a million in liquid assets. Uh, and so at least in America, that's only about eight or 9% of people. And that means everybody else has no opportunity to invest in an early stage company. They have to wait until it's a publicly traded company on the stock market. And so um, by being able to now take money from um, or investments from, you know, non-accredited investors, it does a few things, which I love. For one, it gives our, us as a company uh, more capital, right, and, which is always important in these early stages. Uh, and as a minority founder, you know, I'm African-American and, you know, there's, there's typically, statistically, you'll see that there's just a much harder path to fundraising uh, for, for us. And so having an alternative way to raise money outside of the, the traditional sources uh, is always an advantage, you know, for us to be able to, to raise the capital that we need to continue on. So that, that's from the company side, but obviously on the, on the investor side, uh, you know, being able to, you know, earn, get that equity for as little as in our campaign, the minimum is $250. Uh, 
and you're getting equity and I always try to, you know, explain or remind people that this is not a, you know, regular crowdfunding platform like an Indiegogo or Kickstarter where it's just a donation. You're getting, you're actually getting, you know, equity, a form of equity, you know, that will, that we're looking to return capital the same way we want to return capital um, and investment to, you know, Sandhill Angels or Black Star Fund, you know, we want to be able to, uh, to enable everyday people to capture that same upside. So, you know, that's why we really did the equity crowdfunding campaign and, and excited. We have about 30 days left uh, as of today. Um, and it is, uh, it's pretty exciting. We've we got some great momentum uh, over the last few days and uh, looking to, you know, kind of raise the awareness and give more people an opportunity because it's, it's essentially us opening up the doors of the win-win ship and saying, hey, everybody can come in, you know, for as little as $250 and, um, you know, join us on this journey and this ride. Uh, and, and most importantly, you know, reap the benefits of that upside when we go get acquired, right, which is a guilt, which is the goal then, you know, I would love for people in my community, my family, my friends, you know, who all became investors, yourself included, bro, um, yes. being able to, you know, get the return on that, uh, on that upside. So this is very exciting. I encourage anybody that's listening to go check it out. It's at www.republic.co, C-O, slash win hyphen win. And, you know, you'll be able to learn all about the, the company, the traction to date, our roadmap ahead, uh, and some of the great partners that we that we have, and we got a lot of investors that have left some great comments as to why they invested, and uh, it's just uh, it just confirms and validates you know my reason for for doing this equity crowdfund as I'm seeing people who had never invested before now being proud about being an investor in a, in a fast growing tech company. So that's why we did Republic. Absolutely, you know uh, what made me interested was was a uh, was uh, you know great. We see angels backing uh, backing a company and a very innovative way of uh, of giving back uh, uh, to the society. So we will definitely put put the uh, the link for Republic on the show notes. Um, so you know you you're trying to raise uh, funds. Uh, so what is the money to be used for, and are you uh, you know expanding into other sports other than anything? Yeah, definitely. So this initial capital right now. So we used our first you know kind of uh, fundraise that we did in 2016 really focused on product, um, you know, product development, that conversion funnel that I mentioned. So we were, you know, running campaigns, iterating the platform. And so now that we've reached what we feel is product market fit, now we're, we're looking to scale things up a bit. So we're starting, you know, we're doing it pretty uh, thoughtfully and effectively uh, in the sense that this capital that we're raising right now will go directly to, you know, growing our team, uh, and and marketing um, kind of dollars, right? Because we hadn't we hadn't unlocked any of our marketing machine powers, if you will, um, right. with, with all of our past campaigns. They've all been very organic. So one of the things we're really excited about is how we take the phenomenal conversion rates that we're seeing on the uh, organic campaigns and amplifying that even further and faster through, you know, targeted um, ad advertising campaigns, PR, because there's a lot of great things that can be talked about and, and displayed, you know, when it comes to these impactful charities that are, you know, benefiting the athletes and the, and the fan experiences. So the money's going you know, to, to team and to marketing as we look to scale up the platform. And then we'll go uh, into 2020 
uh, where we'll now be in the NBA, uh, MLB, which is Major League Baseball here in the States, uh, and then back into NFL. And that's where you'll start to see many more tournaments, many more campaigns, athletes, entertainers. So, we're, you know, we're starting to scale up, and that will put us in a position to uh, raise our, our, our next uh, subsequent round, which we're focused on growth capital. Got it. And, uh, you know, I want to know who, who else is in your team? Or are, are you the lone founder uh, in the company? Yeah, I'm a solo founder, um, you know, started started this venture on my own back in 2016 and, you know, just had a goal to to build something of impact um, and, you know, finding a, having a found, a co-founder is, is a, is a really big, you know, decision and commitment. And, you know, there were some people that kind of were, were in the, uh, in the running for that and, and was working with some folks very early on, you know, for a short period of time. But, you know, at the end of the day, there were just certain things that, um, that I, I would have needed and required in, in a true co-founder. So, uh, you know, not everybody w- was up to par on that. And, and uh, so I went at it on my own and I'm happy that I did. And now building out a phenomenal team around me uh, that can help us to continue driving this, uh, driving this mission. And as I mentioned, re- returning great value to, to everybody involved. Awesome. Great. Uh, so I quickly want to do the top three. Uh, what's your favorite business book? Favorite business book. So I got two actually. Um, one I would say is is more about life, and one is more about startups and, and kind of business per se. But uh, I'm a big fan of of Ben Horowitz uh, and his book, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I think it's kind of uh, you know required reading for for any founder looking to start a company, or just anybody interested in tech and Silicon Valley and getting a, getting an idea and understanding of, of kind of how. How, how it works, right? Because as, as the title states, it talks a lot about, you know, the hard things that, that are involved in um, building something that has never existed in the world. And, and I just thought it was really refreshing as I was first getting into tech um, and just love kind of how Ben uh, put that together. So that's one. But one that I'm also a big fan of is more, you know, kind of life slash business. I think there's a lot of things that um, – that you know are are important when it comes to the overlap and connection uh, between um, between life and business. But it's a book called uh, "Give and Take" by uh, Adam Grant, okay. and you know what it talks about is uh, kind of this um, the the difference, right? Where you know how you can be successful being a giver versus just a taker. And there's a lot. And what that means is, you know, you look to provide value to others, right? Giver versus, you know, being somebody who's only looking to extract value. Um, and, you know, you end up, and there's some people that can get ahead by doing that and not having any concern for others. But when you, you know, this book really breaks down you know, like real historical examples around, you know, how givers ultimately, you know, can, will will be at the top of that um kind of mountain if you will so uh, that was something i recently read and it's kind of changed um or or added perspective and and um refinement to even how i look at my own giving and and why giving even matters to me um so those are the two that i love and, and would strongly recommend yeah, both of these books are very high quality books. Uh, hard things about hard things are one of the most recommended uh, book on the podcast. 
Um, yeah. uh, you know, if you could go back in time when you started, when when what is the one thing you would have focused on, or anything you would have done differently? You know, I'm not one with, that lives with regrets. Uh, I certainly believe that you know everything happens and does not happen for a reason. Right. Uh, and our journey, albeit has has been hard, um, it, it has also been very. Um, I think necessary to, to get us to where we are today. You know, we learned some, some tough lessons, some expensive, some expensive lessons, you know, in those earlier days right. we were trying to figure things out. But one thing, if I had to point it out, you know, I would probably say, um, you know, hiring. You know, I, I know, I knew that going in hiring was, was a big deal, right? Just because you're, you're building something, you don't you usually don't have a lot of money. And so there's a, there's an element of recruiting, you know, that, that you gotta, you know, get people excited about your your idea on the back of a napkin. Um, but then, more importantly, from our side, you know, we needed to be a bit more diligent in kind of the review process and and um, you know just having a process for hiring at all, even in the earliest days, I think is important um, versus you know kind of just going off your gut. So you know, I know that was one of the things that kind of you know we lost some time and money on. Uh, with, with some, some poor hiring decisions early on. Now, I'm happy to report that we we, we had very quickly, you know, course corrected and, and our investors were happy about that. But, you know, early on going in, you know, knowing first that everything takes twice as long and costs twice as much, um, you know, knowing that and, and having focused on that, you know, hiring decisions and processes in the very beginning may have may have differed. But like I said, we had to go through that. And, and now as we're hiring now and bringing more people on, um, we're going at it in a much more thoughtful and, and diligent way. And, you know, we wouldn't have been able to have that insight had it not been for, um, you know, the, the early, early uh, lessons that we, that we had to learn. So that's where uh, I would probably focus if I could go back, which we know we can. Got it. And uh, do you have any favorite online tools, for example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Yeah, I mean, love all of the, uh, you know, the, the usual suspects. I think two that people may not know about, but I'm a huge fan of and use nearly every day. Um, there's two. One of them is called Rebump. Um, and people can, and I'm not getting paid to say this, I probably should, but Rebump.cc. And what they do is they allow you to um, kind of do an automatic follow-up via email and like in a certain sequence. But in a way that it has whatever the custom messages are, so you can set up a sequence. If if I'm following up with a VC, right, I can create the messages that are pretty generic, right, or you can even tag their names and it'll automatically fill it in. But you know, if it's for a VC versus one of our NFL partners, you know, my follow-ups will be a little different. The cadence, right, will be a little different, and, and so you can set all that up automatically, and and it ties in uh, Google. And then you just click it and then it'll do the automatic follow-ups, you know, however many days out that you set it, if you don't hear back from them. So it's helped recover many emails because I get, you know, get so many and have to send so many tend to forget which ones to follow up with. So right. that's a good one. And then the last one I'll say is a file board. That's a F I L E B A R D.com. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's kind of a, a sales tool, but we use it predominantly for, being able to present, uh, you know, the win-win pitch deck or partner deck or whatever. And all they have to do, they don't have to download anything. They just go to a, the website, you know, that you give them and then they're able to watch and follow along. 
Um, so those are the two that uh, that I you know enjoy using the most, and and, and quite quite frankly, surprised that more people don't know about them, but maybe they will now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was just looking at Fireboard, and I didn't know about this tool. Uh, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, so, so Mike, what is the best way for people to reach out to you, and how can they, uh, you know, contribute on the Republic campaign? Yeah, so the first place to go, I think, is uh, is to republic.co um, backslash win hyphen win. So that's where, again, they can learn uh, so much more about the company. Um, you know, we're, we're posting updates on on Republic. So, you know, there's company updates that go out and get emailed to everybody who invested. And even if you, if you haven't invested or you want a little more time, although there's not much, you can simply follow the company on, on Republic and then get updates as, as things happen. Uh, and then if you want to, if you want to find or reach me, uh, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn under Mike Tawili Ely Brown, uh, but probably the easiest would be to go either to Instagram, which is underscore Mike T Brown, uh, or you could just go to MikeTBrown.com and that's where you'll find, um, you know, all the links to me, email, everything. Um, so encourage folks to do that. All right, Mike. Uh, thank you very much for coming onto this show and best of luck for your campaign. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you joining as an investor and, and having me on the show. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.